Amen. Jeremiah 51 and 20. I got a text from Jonathan Salinas. They're on vacation. And he told me they were watching service. He texted me. He said, I'm looking for a church to go to. I said, sit at home and tune into Hot Springs. And God will bless you. Amen. Amen. And so here we go. Shout out to Jonathan and Carissa. We love y'all. And everybody else that's joined in online. Why don't you just go ahead and have church in your living room while we're having it in the sanctuary. Amen. Jeremiah 51 and 20. The Bible says, Thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. Everybody say, weapons of war. For with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms, and with thee will I break in pieces the horse and his rider, and with thee will I break in pieces the chariot and his rider. With thee also will I break in pieces man and woman, and with thee will I break in pieces old and young, and with thee will I break in pieces the young man and the maid. I will also break in pieces with thee the shepherd and his flock. And with thee will I break in pieces the husbandman and his yoke of oxen. And with thee will I break in pieces captains and rulers. And I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. God help us tonight. I want to preach from a real simple title tonight, and it's this. Weapons of choice. Weapons of choice. Come on, why don't you put your Bibles down and lift up your hands and let's pray that the Lord would have his way tonight. God, I thank you. this scripture is misinterpreted and taken out of context I've heard maybe you've heard in music this is most often where this phrase is used this battle axe it's only found one time in the word of God and I've heard uh, many times there's a there's a really good song I can't recall it right now but it's by Todd Delaney and they're singing and this man steps up and starts ad-libbing and he's saying in the song of to the Lord, he's as, as if he's praying, he says, you are my battle axe. And that's the, that's the, the oftentimes understood context of this scripture is that the battle axe and the weapons of war in this scripture is actually referring to God. Because the preceding passage, the 19th verse of Jeremiah 51 would say, the portion of Jacob is not like them for he is the former of all things. And Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Okay, and so we have this scripture, verse 19, that talks about the portion of Jacob, the Lord of hosts. And then instantly the Bible says, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. And so a lot of people reading at face value feel like this scripture is saying that God is the battle axe. He is the weapon of war. But if you continue to read... 
through verse 24 like we just have, at the end of it, at the end of this monologue from verse 20 to verse 24, the last phrase of verse 24 is, saith the Lord. Which means everything said from verse 20 to verse 24 is being said by the Lord, not of the Lord. Okay, now this is important. Because now that we know that it's the Lord speaking, he says, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. Amen. And, and this is, I, I believe this is most important. He said, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. He says, for with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms, and with thee will I break in pieces the horse and his rider, and with thee will I break in pieces the chariot and his rider. With thee also will I break in pieces man and woman, and with thee will I break in pieces old and young. With thee will I break in pieces the young man and the maid. I will also break in pieces with thee the shepherd and his flock, and with thee will I break in pieces the husbandman and his yoke of oxen, and with thee will I break in pieces captains and rulers. And I will render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in your sight, in Zion, in your sight, saith the Lord. What's important here is that 10 times from verse 20 to verse 24, God said, I'm about to do a lot of work in the world right now, but I'm not going to do it by myself. I'm going to do it with you. Amen. Oh, in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus, you to understand the historical context, Jeremiah is a he's a prophet, and during his during his stint as a prophet, Jerusalem has fallen to Babylon. And it's said in the prophets that literally God is using Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Like he is, he is the he is Nebuchadnezzar is the weapon that brings judgment upon Jerusalem. And the armies of Chaldea and of Babylon are the weapons that God uses to, to bring judgment upon Israel and Judah and Jerusalem. And, but because, even though they're being used by God, they are the enemy. And, and God, is, He's exalted them, He's strengthened them, and He's using them to dole out judgment on a backslidden people. Somewhere in, this, in their being used by God, Babylon. They allowed pride to get in their spirit. And, and they didn't just do the bidding of God. They really enjoyed it. Amen. Now the scripture would say, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. And so there is this, even in the Proverbs and, and different places in the scripture, there is this principle that even if judgment is coming to somebody, this is a good principle for the apostolic church, if, even if somebody's done wrong and you see them being judged, he said, don't get happy about it. Amen. Amen. He said, because if you get excited about them being in trouble, then I'm coming after you next. Amen. It's like the, like the children when one gets a spanking and the other one laughs and then they get the spanking next. Amen. Because they laughed at the one that got the spanking. This is what's happened with Babylon. And Babylon has literally, by the hand of God, been exalted to, to above every nation in the world at that time. They are, they are the head of the world. And they have destroyed Jerusalem and they have thoroughly enjoyed it. They have done horrific and treacherous things to the people of God in bringing the judgment of God. 
And then, so, so you, have to, you have to think, this is a people defeated by these very enemies. They have seen as the king of Babylon and his army come in and absolutely annihilate them. And they were powerless to stand against Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, God at one point in the prophet says, if you fight them, you're fighting me and I'm going to strengthen them. I'll strengthen their, their hands and, and I'll break your arm. Now, this y'all, y'all are clapping. This is talking about the people of God. He's, he's, he's saying, he's saying that, that if, if the people, that, that these backslidden people, that judgment is coming, he said, if you even try to fight back, I'm going to break your arms and I'm going to strengthen theirs. And so, so defeat was imminent. It, everything they tried, they weren't just fighting against Nebuchadnezzar. They were fighting against God himself. But eventually, when the judgment of God is finished, and, and his wrath is, is, is appeased, you could say, and he's looking at this broken nation and this broken people, he begins to have mercy on them. And still, somewhere in the distance, Nebuchadnezzar in his palace and, and the armies of the Chaldeans, they are, they are mocking and laughing and, and they're just really drinking up this defeat that the people of God have suffered. And, and God, it, it, it starts to, if I can say it like this, it starts to get underneath his skin. And, and he's looking at his, you know, it's, it's like I said, when, when, you know, when a parent spanks one kid and the other one starts laughing, it's like, what are you laughing about? They're hurting right now. And, and so this gets into the, the, the being of God, and, and he's tired of listening to Babylon and to Chaldea laugh about his people being destroyed. And he starts to send prophets, and, and he starts to send these, these comforting words to his people that, that you know, it's 70 years are going to be accomplished. And, and I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and they're thoughts of peace and not of evil. And I'm, I'm going to make you a nation that nobody can pluck you up. And, and he's saying all these beautiful things to these people, but they're so defeated. This seems like an impossibility. And so I, I don't doubt that they prayed that God would destroy Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon and Chaldea. I don't doubt for a moment that they prayed that somebody would defeat Nebuchadnezzar. I don't doubt for a moment that they applied their heart and mind and soul to, to weeping and seeking the mind of God that this enemy of theirs would be destroyed and that their nation would be restored and, and that they would be lifted up again as the people of God. And then comes this scripture in Jeremiah 51. And it's talking about the, the, the images of Babylon. And the images of the surrounding nations. And how their vanity and their work of errors. And, and in their time of visitation they're going to perish. There's, there's this word from God that's coming. And it's literally against the gods of the nations that surround Israel. And then the prophet would say but the portion of Jacob is not like them amen he starts out saying first of all you need to understand something about your God your God ain't like their God the name of Jesus he is the former of all things and Israel is the rod of his inheritance the Lord of hosts is his name. And something happens in the scripture. The prophet is, he is prophesying. 
And as he begins to prophesy about how God is and and how Israel belongs to God and the Lord of hosts is the name of God, something begins to shift and God takes over the narrative. And he said, I want to tell you something, Jeremiah, that my people need to understand. He said, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. You got to understand this word was not coming to David after he defeated Goliath. This is coming to a group of people that had been beaten down and trodden under and defeated and they felt hopeless and helpless and like God was a million miles away and all of a sudden a word comes by the prophet and he says I want you to understand something you're not forsaken you're not weak you're not destroyed you're a battle axe you're my weapon of war you're my weapon of choice God help us in this house. Amen. 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 He said, you are my battle axe and weapons of war. He said, I plan to break in pieces the nations. Now you got to understand God. You look at his record. And when he got tired of Sodom and Gomorrah, he didn't use anybody to help him. He just rained fire and brimstone. Done deal. When he got tired of Korah and his junk, he just opened up the earth. No deal. When he got tired of Pharaoh chasing his people, he just had the Red Sea close in on him. He didn't need any help. But this time he said, I've got a work to do. I'm going to break in pieces the nation. As a matter of fact, just when, when they're going into Canaan, he's got an army. And he says, still, I'm going to send hornets to drive them out before you. He said, you, you, you're just, you're just kind of going through, but, but I'm actually going to send hornets to do the work for you. In other words, God, over and over and over, he's performed without using them. God, help us right now. And I believe that something had gotten into the hearts and minds of the Israelites. And they believed that God was more than able to do anything that they needed him to do. But they could not fathom that he could do it through them. Oh, I'm going to preach to the church tonight. He said, I'm going to break in pieces the nations. But let me tell you something. I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to destroy kingdoms. But I'm not going to do it with fire and brimstone. I'm going to do it with you. God help. He said, I'm going to break in pieces the horse and the rider, but it's not going to be hornets and it's not going to be an earthquake. It's going to be with you. God help. God help us right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Ten times the Lord says what he's going to do, and every time he says, I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to use you to do this. Amen. Lord help us. And then he says, and I will render unto Babylon the one that came in and destroyed you. Your your greatest fear, your worst nightmare, I'm going to render unto Babylon and to all the inhabitants of Chaldea all their evil that they have done in Zion in your sight, saith the Lord. He said, I'm telling you, I'm coming to do a work. 
but I'm going to do it through you. In the name of Jesus. So we have to understand. We have to understand, and this is, this is so much more prevalent today than it was even in that time. God has a work to be done in the earth. But he don't send lights and angels to do his work. He uses his weapon of choice. And his weapon of choice is his people. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17 and 4, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath. Y'all have heard this story whose height was six cubits and a span, and he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders, and the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. Remember that phrase, weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before them, and he stood and cried unto the armies. Everybody say armies armies of Israel and said unto them why are you come out to set the battle in array am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul choose you a man for you and let him come down to me if he be able to fight with me and to kill me then will we be your servants but if I prevail against him and kill him then shall ye be our servants and serve us and the Philistine said I defy the armies everybody say armies Armies of Israel, this day give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Everybody say armies. Armies of Israel running scared at the voice of one man. Amen. And so we know the story. David comes. He's bringing, he's bringing breads and cheeses to his brothers. And, and he comes in. And as he comes into the camp, day after day, 40 days in a row, this, this, this Philistine is coming out. And he's, he's giving his spiel. Send me a man that I'm going to fight. And if he can beat me, we'll serve y'all. And if I beat him, y'all serve us. Amen. I defy the armies of Israel this day. Come, come on. Bring me a man. David hears it. And he said, who is this guy? Oh, oh, you, you, you don't know. He's, he's the giant of the Philistines. David said, why are you all afraid? Well, I mean, you know, have you, have you seen him? I, get, I, I don't know. I'll fight him. Y'all don't have to worry. I'll fight him. So somebody takes him to Saul and they say, listen, this guy is saying that he's going to go fight this Philistine. And Saul looks at him. He said, you can't do that. Amen. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able. Everybody say, you are not able. able. Lord, help us. Saul was an echo chamber of what the devil was telling him. And he he was, God, help us. He was was just vomiting this, this unbelief. On everybody that, that had any kind of faith. Lord, get that spirit out of the church. In the name of Jesus. He said, you, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you're, you're just a youth. 
And he's a man of war from his youth. And David said, let me tell you a story. I was keeping my dad's sheep. And there was a lion and a bear that came and they stole a lamb out of the flock. And I took off running after the lion. I took off running after the bear. I grabbed him. I smote him. I slew him. I got the lamb back. I slew the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like they are. <laughs> oh, now, I, I want to I dive into something real quick before we go any further. Because I've heard so many people, they, they correlate, and, and, and it's almost inseparable, but, but we're going to get there. They correlate the fact that David is the anointed one. He's heir to the throne. Samuel has already come and poured the anointing oil on his head. And so, because, you know, there, there's this correlation, like because he had this anointing poured upon him, that this is why he was able to defeat Goliath. That's not biblical. And I'm going to show you that it's not biblical. Now, I want you to understand something before I go any further. I absolutely am not saying that God didn't help David defeat the Philistine. God absolutely did help David defeat the Philistine. But he didn't do it because Samuel had poured a bottle of oil on his head. And I'm going to show you scripturally that that's not the case. Amen. And as a matter of fact, David didn't even think that was the case. He didn't come to Saul and say, Hey, I'm going to fight this Philistine and I'm going to win. Because one day I was watching my dad's sheep and a messenger came and got me and took me back to the house and Samuel poured oil on my head and said I was going to be the next king. So I know I can defeat him. No, he said I was watching the sheep and a lion came and took one of them and I didn't have anything else to do but go fight him. And so I went and fought him and I won. Oh, Jesus. God, help me to preach this right now. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with you. I'm going to tell you on David won the battle. He won because he went, and the Lord went with him. God, help me right now. And I, I, I would contend, I would contend that God was not waiting for David to get there to go with just David to defeat the Philistine. I believe that if any man in that army had said, this man is defying my God and I'm not going to let it happen anymore. I'll go fight. I believe God would have gone with any of them that had decided to go. God, help us right. You know why I believe that? Because David showed them you can defeat a giant. And then one after another, there was four defiant giants defeated in Gath. And it wasn't by people that had anointing oil poured on them. It was by people that said, I saw David do it. And God's no respecter of persons. I can do it too. Clap your hands to the Lord. Amen. Okay. We know the story. He kills, he kills Goliath. 
That was in 1 Samuel 17. 2 Samuel 21. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him. Everybody say his servants. His servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. That means David got tired. He was an old man. The Bible says, And Ishbibinob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. David's fighting another giant. Except for this time he's tired. Amen. And this giant is really thinking, I'm about to kill this man. But Abishai, the son of Zeruah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. This is the last battle that David fought in. He almost got killed by a giant. And somebody else came in and killed the giant. Oh, God help us. And so they said, You're not going anymore. But just because you're not going... Don't mean we can't still kill giants. Because the Bible instantly says, and it came to pass after this, that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushathite, slew Seth, which was of the sons of the giant. That's giant number two after Goliath. And David ain't killed either one of them. Neither of these guys had the anointing oil poured on them. Amen. There was yet a battle in Gath, where Goliath was from, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number. He also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. Samuel didn't pour no oil on his head. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Oh, God, help me. It, it wasn't that anointing oil that killed Goliath. It was that go and God's going to go with you. God, help me right now. And, and when the... When the rest of them, you, you know in the Bible, nobody had ever slayed a giant before David. Nobody. But once David did it, everybody else was like, you don't think I can do that too? You know what I believe? I believe that David made his way into the army one day. And they were talking, about, oh, you're the king of Israel. And man, when you, David had killed his 10,000. You killed Goliath, man, and, 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 and you had that anointing oil upon you. And he said, what are you talking about? Yeah, you, 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 you were the anointed. You know who else was anointed? Saul. And Saul was sitting in his tent scared. I believe that David said, so you think it was the anointing that did it, huh? Said, oh, man, you had that anointing, bro. Saul had it too. Why didn't he go fight him? I believe that David told his soldiers, listen, it wasn't about Samuel pouring that oil on my head. 
It was about me believing that when that man defied my God and I went to fight him, that God was going to do it. And so David got something down in the, in the spirit of his soldiers. And they said, you know what? If God will do it for him, I believe God can do it through me. <laughs> you know what causes me to believe this? Because when they go to battle and they find a giant the next time, and the giant is just about to defeat David, they don't feel defeat in their spirit. If they really believed that David was the giant slayer of Israel, then when he started, he was just about to get killed by that giant. They'd have been running already. Because none of them would have thought that they could do anything about it. I believe that somewhere, at some time, David had gotten it into the heart and the mind and the soul of his soldiers. Listen, it wasn't because I'm anybody special. It's because I said this cannot go on anymore. And if nobody else will fight, I'll go fight. And he said, now listen, if you ever run into a giant, you ain't got to be afraid of him. You just go and God will go with you. name of Jesus. Amen. And so four giants are killed by servants. Amen. Not kings. Servants. Everybody say servants. servants. Not princes. Servants. God help us. Not angels. Servants. God help us right now. It wasn't giants killed by giants. It was giants killed by servants. It wasn't giants killed by priests. It was giants killed by servants. Let me tell you something. You have royal blood flowing through your veins. You're more than a servant ever hoped to be. And the Bible said that servants killed giants. I'm here to preach this into somebody's spirit right now. You are God's weapon of choice. Don't be afraid to go to battle, even if it looks impossible. Don't be afraid to go to battle if everybody else is scared to death. Say, God's going to go with me. Amen. Be seated for a moment. Brother Jared Motes, can I use you for just a second? Amen. <laughs> Amen. In the name of Jesus. He told me last night, we were talking, I was saying something about the Bible. He said, well, you just like remember everything. <laughs> he said, he said, you just, you just, my wife tells me that too. She said, you, you've got a photographic memory. You just remember everything. And I'm, I'm not going to deny that, that I have a photographic memory. And it's probably easier for me to remember stuff than maybe for other people. Amen. But this, what, 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 what gets into people though, and, and not this has gotten into my wife or, or, or into Brother Jared Motes. <laughs> but this, this, is, this is something I, I told both of them. I said, I've read the Bible through every year at least once since I was 17. I'm 29 years old right now. Amen. Which means every day 
for the past 12 years, I've read at least one chapter in the Bible. Amen. And so, yes, I do have this, this, this memory bank, scripture and stuff. But it's not because I'm special. It's because I just read it over and over and over. God, help us right now. Amen. And, and I've, I've, I've had people say, well, you know, I, th- this, this one gets me. And my people in Amity don't do it. I love y'all. Thank y'all for being here tonight. Amen. I got my folks from Amity home folks here. Amen. I've, I've had people come to me and say, you know, whether, whether they were with family or with, you know, running somebody in the store or whatever. And they, man, I, if, if, if you had just been there, oh, if you'd just been there, you, you'd have known exactly what to say. I'll tell you a story. I was in Dillard's one time. And I was on the phone, and I was looking at some button-up shirts, and I'm, I was just kind of meandering around, and I saw this, this lady standing. She was probably, I'd say, mid to late 50s, and, and she was working there at Dillard's. And, and she, I, I could tell she was waiting for me to get off the phone. She was going to try to help me. And, and, and so I finally get off the phone, and, and she starts to talk to me, and, and I, I get talking to her, and she, she says something about me being a preacher, and and she was like, I could just see it. And so we get talking, and I start asking her questions about church. And, and we get to go in and, and come to find out this woman had prayed through in an apostolic church when she was like 20 years old. She, she told me, she didn't even know what had happened. She just told me. She said, I went to this church. Uh, I went to the altar. I felt compelled to go to the altar. She said, I lifted up my hands. I was praying. She said, I just started crying, like sobbing uncontrollably. She's like, I was shaking. And then I passed out. And she was like, I woke up and like, like I was speaking this weird language. And I mean, she's, and I was like, you, you were slain in the spirit. Like that was the Holy Ghost that was on you. And I, apparently nobody had explained to her what had happened. And she was terrified. She never came back. And so I, I, I began to talk to this lady and, and I just, I just kind of started digging about knowledge because that's what I, what I do when I'm dealing with somebody. And and so I just kind of started asking her questions about the Godhead. Come to find out, she because the deal was kind of like, well, I, I think I could, I could get down with how y'all do, like the Holy Ghost stuff. But, but I, just, I just don't know about the, she's like, I don't, I don't know if it's the Trinity or, or if there's like two, if it's like Jesus and then a spirit or if it's like one, like y'all say. I was like, well, you know. And now, mind you, I'm shopping for button-up shirts in Dillard's. I don't have a Bible. I've got my cell phone. And I just kind of start talking to her about the oneness. And I can remember the moment that it was like somebody started pouring water down my back. And my hair started standing up. And all of a sudden, scriptures just started like... And I was... Teaching the oneness to this lady in Dillard's. And God was teaching me at the same time. So, for all the times that I've studied the oneness to be able to give an answer of the hope that I've got. That time, the Holy Ghost took over. And the Lord was teaching her through my mouth and teaching me through my mouth as well. At the same time. 
Now, I just, forgive me for being elementary. I still believe the Bible when it says that God is no respecter of persons. That He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I, I, I just want to help somebody tonight that you could get it in your spirit. Quit, quit looking at, at the people that have accomplished it. Not, not that I've accomplished I'm, I'm saying in, in David's case. Don't look at David like, oh, he's the great giant slayer. And, and if he don't do it, nobody else can do it. No, get it in your spirit. He was just a shepherd boy that took a sling and said, hey, God's going to take care of me. Let's go take care of business. And God did it. And, and, and let that get in your spirit and say, you know what? I think if God will do it for him, then God will do it for me. God, help us. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. God, help us. God, help us. Amen. Everybody say Israel. Israel. Amen. Israel. God, help us. The 19th verse, Jeremiah chapter 51, literally refers to the portion of Jacob and says the God of Israel. Amen. Jacob and Israel in that prophecy were a nation. It was not a man. It was a nation. Everybody say a nation. It was a nation. And God said, with you, with thee. That means God was referring to the nation. He wasn't referring to the kings and priests and princes, advisors, the rich, the educated. He said, you are my people and I intend to use every one of you. Amen. God appeared to a man on the back side of the desert as he watched a flock of sheep. He appears in a, in a flame of fire in a bush. The bush was not consumed. And this man named Moses turns aside to see this great sight. And the Lord begins to call him. Begins to outline a purpose for him. He tells him, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh and I'm going to deliver my people by you. And Moses said unto the Lord, Exodus 4 and 10... Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent. God help us. How many times has God met you in that deep place of prayer and said, I want to use you? Oh, God. I don't know enough to teach a Bible study. Oh, God, I, I can't pray like Sister Fernal can pray. Why, why, why don't you put this burden of prayer on her? Why, why, why don't you give the Bible study to Brother Aaron Robertson? He's in California. Amen. <laughs> I'm not eloquent. Listen to this. Neither heretofore. Everybody say heretofore. Moses said, I've never been eloquent. He said, I'm not eloquent. And in the past, I've never been eloquent. Okay, so he looks at his past, he's looking at his present, and then he says this, nor since, everybody say nor since, nor since, nor since thou hast spoken 
unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. What's happening here? Moses thought that when God called him, he would take away all of his inadequacies. And when it didn't happen, he said, I, I can't do a word. I'm of a slow speech. I'm of a slow tongue. I can't do that. I've, I've never been able to. I'm not able to. You touch me, I'm still not able to. God help us. Moses is disqualifying himself from the ministry. Like, God, I, I, I don't know if you knew what you were doing when you showed up to tell me I needed to go to Pharaoh. Do you not think that God knew Moses couldn't hardly talk? How, how unintentionally insulting are we to God when He starts to call us to do some great work? And we start saying, well, God, I, mean, I, I can't do that. I, can't, you know, I, don't, I don't know the Bible like this one. I can't pray like that one. I can't sing like this one. I, you know, I, just, I, I don't have any of these abilities. Use somebody else to do it. God knew who He was coming to when He showed up. Why did He show up on your doorstep? Because you're a weapon of choice. You may not know it yet, but God said, I want to use you. Probably, probably one of the most recognizable depictions in, in, in history is the painting of Uncle Sam with his eyes set and his finger pointing out of the picture. And he says, I want you for the U.S. Army. Y'all ever seen that? Y'all, Uncle Sam pointing out, I want you. Amen. What, what, what's happening here? There's a psychology called groupthink. And they've done studies on it. Where they go into like really busy places where there's hundreds or thousands of people. And they'll take two actors and, and, and the male actor will start theatrically beating the female. When there's thousands of people around. And nobody will help her. Nobody. Because everybody assumes... That somebody else will. And so nobody does. They'll take the same two actors. And take them to a place where there's only four or five people. And they'll have the man start theatrically beating the woman. And all of them will help. Why? Because there's so few of them. That everybody feels like if I don't, nobody will. And there is, a, there is something that has gotten into the, the mind of the church where we just assume that there's so many people that God can use that, that he'll just use somebody else and so we just exclude ourselves from service. And I'm here to preach to the church and the whole church. This is totally non-exclusive. This is everybody. You are God's weapon of choice. Name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. God told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, 
for I am but a child. God help us. He said, I knew you before I formed you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you to do this work. And Jeremiah said, oh God, I can't. And God said, don't say that. Don't say I'm but a child. He said, because I'm going to go with you. And I'm going to put the words in your mouth. He said, don't say I'm a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. What is the Bible telling us? When you get to feeling those feelings of insecurity and, and, and like, you know, you, you just, you're just incapable of doing what God is calling you to do. God is sitting back there and he's saying, don't say you can't do it. Don't say you can't. Don't let those words come out of your mouth. Don't say God can't use you. Don't say you can't teach a Bible study. Don't say you can't intercede. Don't say you can't travail. Why? Because God will go with you. God help us. God help us. In the name of Jesus. Judges chapter 6, the Lord appears behind a wine press where a man is threshing wheat, hiding from his enemies. Brave man. The Lord looked upon him and said, listen, go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, Oh, my Lord. Are you seeing a pattern here? Wherewith shall I save Israel? God, how on earth am I going to do this? Behold, they always start explaining why they can't. My family is poor. And I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with you. And you will smite the Midianites as one man. Do you, know, do, do you know the solution to all of your incapabilities? Is just simply for God to be with you? Did you know that if the Spirit of God lifted off of me right now, I'd be the most bumbling idiot you could imagine standing right here? I couldn't formulate a coherent sentence if God didn't help me. Trust me, I've been there. I understand. My, my brother walked in last Wednesday night. He walked into the house. I'm sitting there reading. He said, you ready to preach? I said, I'm never ready till I start. Why? Because I ain't the one that does the work. I ain't ready till I get here and God shows up. God, help us. And, and here we sit and twiddle our thumbs and, 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 and sit on our hands. And, and God, I just, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Luke chapter 10, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They're talking about this is the first time that humanity has ever been commissioned by God to do a great work. This is, this is in person. He sends 70 out by twos. And he says, you go, you preach, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out devils. And they come back and they're like, God, we did it. 
it happened. He was like, yeah, of course, it happened. Then he says in John chapter 14, stand together. Everybody stand together. That wasn't what he said. Amen. (laughs) Amen. God help us right now. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. Sister Alicia, don't play anything slow, please. Amen. He that believeth on me, the works that I do. This is Jesus speaking. This is red letter in your Bible. Jesus said, everything that I do, you can do too. Hey, but he didn't stop there. He said, and greater works than these shall he do. (laughs) Did Jesus lay hands on the sick and they recovered? Do you believe in him? (laughs) Did Jesus raise the dead? Do you believe in him? Did Jesus cleanse the leper? Do you believe in him? Amen. Oh, God help us. Did Jesus cast out the devil? Yes, he did. Do you believe in him? Now let's get down to where we're living. Did Jesus teach Bible studies? Do you believe in him? (laughs) Maybe I'm preaching to myself right now. Did Jesus win souls? Do you believe in him? Everything he did, we're supposed to do. And greater! I want to help you for just a moment. Amen. Because this is the beauty of a weapon. A weapon's effectiveness is determined by who wields it. A sword is useless laying in the scabbard on the floor. But you put it in the hands of David. He can cut off a giant's head with it. A sling is useless. Slung over a nightstand somewhere. But you put it in the hands of a little shepherd boy. And he'll take care of business with it. (laughs) And you know what? You may have come here tonight feeling washed up and worthless and useless. You may have felt purposeless. You may have felt like you didn't have calling and you didn't have anointing and you didn't have a ministry and you didn't have anything. And maybe all those things are right until you put yourself in the hand of God. (laughs) 
I heard, I, I listened to a podcast and, and it, was, it was about the Asbury Revival. Taylor Fish had gone there and, and, and he prayed um, or he baptized while he was there. While Taylor Fish was there, he baptized one person. Okay? He prayed. He said multiple people got the Holy Ghost and, and there was no water around. They ended up taking this one boy back to the hotel and they baptized him in Jesus' name. His name was Scotty. Amen. One person, Taylor Fish, baptized in Jesus' name at Asbury. Okay? That one person stayed up all night long the night that Taylor Fish baptized him. Rewatching and listening to the recordings of Taylor Fish preaching on the Asbury campgrounds, taking notes. He's had the Holy Ghost for less than a day. He's just got baptized and he starts taking notes. They woke up the next morning, Taylor Fish, I gotta fly out, man, where are you going? And he pulls out his notepad. He said, I'm going to preach the message at Asbury. They they said that Scotty went back and within just the next three days he had personally baptized over 30 people in the name of Jesus and prayed them through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now now I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying that that you know the longer you have the Holy Ghost the more you know, the more qualified you are or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But do you really think that God would use somebody that hasn't even had the Holy Ghost for 24 hours, just got baptized in Jesus' name, to go win 30 souls on a college campus, and here you are, you've been serving God faithfully, living for Him, praying, reading your Bible, and God couldn't use you to do something? And, and, and I'm not saying, I, I, you notice, I didn't say that God and God wouldn't use you to do something. I said he couldn't. Because there's no question that he would use you. The problem is our self-doubt. And so I just came to preach this into your spirit tonight. You are God's weapon of choice. Can, can, I just, can I just get this into your spirit for just a moment? Give me like, like 30 seconds if you can get it. There is nobody that God would rather use than you. And you and you and you and you and you and everybody else in the building. You know what? I remember. I remember. Me and Philip, we went to the juvie. We didn't know what we were doing. We went through a class to go teach kids at juvie. We didn't even know what we were walking into. There was kids that we taught, and then we'd go back the next week, and they'd be in solitary confinement because they'd gotten into a fight. And I had one boy ask me one. He 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 was just all he was worried about is could you smoke marijuana or not? He said he said, man, God made it. I said, God made it. Eat it like lettuce. No, man, I want to smoke it. I said, that destroys your lungs. The Bible says not to mess up the temple. 
Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Do you know what, though? We, we overcomplicate the work of God way too often. Because while, while we had kids, I mean, these kids were so far out there, they asked us questions like if it was okay for one man to have two women, all kinds of stuff. And in the midst of that, when we could get in a word edgewise, we'd tell them, hey, the Bible says you've got to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. We had kids begging us to be baptized in the name of Jesus. The work of God ain't hard. It's not difficult. And it's really not difficult when God goes with you. I'm just asking somebody tonight, can you just put yourself into the hands of God? It, it don't take talent or ability. It takes effort and willingness. God, I want to be in you. Help us, Lord. I want you to say, I am God's weapon. I shouldn't have had you stand up yet. Amen. God help us. There's spirits battling against your family. Well, if I could just get pastor to pray for them. You get you a bottle of oil and go pray for them. Well, if pastor could just teach him a Bible study. You open the Bible to Acts chapter 2 and just start reading. It'll explain itself. Hallelujah. Can, can, can we go to church right now? When it gets a little stiff... Well, Brother Borner's sick tonight. If Brother Borner was here and he could just jump up and do his whoop and go to dancing down the aisle, maybe it would break. Why don't you jump up and say whoop and start dancing down the aisle and it'll break? Let me tell you something. I decided a long time ago, I used to come in when my dad left, and I felt all just insecure. Well, if my dad was here, it'd be better. Well, it probably would be better, but you know what? He's not here, and tonight I'm the weapon of choice. So let's go ahead and have church. You know what started happening when I let that get down in my spirit? Yeah, maybe somebody else could do better, but they're not here tonight. God, help us to... You don't believe I'd rather be listening to Floyd Odom or Wade Bass or Joel Moats or Joel Holmes or somebody else tonight? I absolutely would. But they ain't here. And you know what? When I got it in my mind that God could use Darren Moats to do something, you know what happened? God started using Darren Moats to do something. And I still believe that God is no respecter of persons. <laughs> let, let, let's, let's hit this just a little bit further because it feels good in the Holy Ghost right now. 
well, you know, I mean, that new church really needs to be paid off, but I don't program like Philip Guerin does. Philip Guerin didn't program like Philip Guerin does either. What, three years ago? Five years ago? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't have a doctorate. I don't have a nursing degree. I don't, I don't run my own business. Why not? <laughs> Boy, it got a little stiff right then. Okay. If he needs the church paid off, why couldn't he use me like he could use somebody else? I'm trying to get this into your spirit right now that you would understand I, I, I am God's weapon of choice. Come on, I didn't, I didn't pull this out of a Disney book or a fairy tale somewhere. This is out of the major prophet Jeremiah. God said, I want to use you to do my work. And so I'm just here to preach to you tonight. It's time to put yourself in the hand of God and say, God, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Come on, somebody needs to get this into your spirit. You need to pray until faith begins to grow. You need to pray until faith begins to grow right now. Amen. You, I've, 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 I've experienced this dynamic since, since y'all started standing. Where when I say that you're God's weapon of choice, you get all excited. But if I'm not saying it, it kind of dies down. I love you. But I ain't going to call every one of you tomorrow and tell you that you're God's weapon of choice. You can pull up and listen to this message online if you want to. Amen. What am I saying? You got to get this in your spirit. To where it's, it's not that the pastor is saying, hey, come on, God can use you. God can use you. God can use you. Or it's not Darren Moat saying, hey, God can use you. But it's you going to prayer and saying, hey, God can use me. God can use me. God can use me. God can use me. Well, I just, I don't know, I don't know what I would, you know, I mean, I don't know about praying about that Bible study stuff. I don't even know what I'd teach. God gave me a Bible study. I don't know what I'd teach. I don't know what I would teach either. But I'm praying, God, lead me to somebody who wants a Bible study. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hate to preach Taylor Fish's message, but he said, that, that same podcast, he said somebody came to him, they said, hey, so I'm, I'm answering your question already, so you don't come to me after church. Amen. He said, he said he had somebody come to him, they said, hey, I need some tips on teaching a Bible study. He said, well, how many Bible studies do you have going right now? They said, none, I need some tips. He said, no, you need a student.
Because, because the work of God is fluid. David picked up five stones. I don't know which one of these I'm going to have to use today. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to have to sling it. But God knows. And so I'm just going to go after the giant. And when I reach into that bag, I'm going to believe that he's going to allow me to pull out the right stone and sling it the right way. Oh, Jesus. Why? Because I'm God's weapon of choice. Do you believe? Do you believe that you could lay hands on somebody, whether in this altar or in the grocery store, and they'd be filled with the Holy Ghost? Or do you believe the pastor has to be there? Sanctioned work. Pastor's got to be there. Everything I do, everything I do, you're going to be able to do it, and you're going to do more. In the name of Jesus, you are God's weapon of choice. Now I want you to lift up your hands. And I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you to, to do some emotional prime right now. I'm telling you to pray until you feel the faith that God can use you to do His work in this church. And God can use you to do His work in this city. And God can use you to do His work in the kingdom in this hour. I, I, I don't care if it's teaching, if it's preaching, if it's praying, if it's soul winning. I don't care if it's healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper. I'm God's weapon of joy. I don't care if it's defeating strongholds of hell. I'm God. Come on, church, pray right now. Pray right now. Pray right now. Hallelujah. Come on, pray until you get it in your spirit. Pray until you get it in your spirit. Pray until you get it in your spirit. I just felt to do this in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I don't know what you feel like God would have you to do in the work of the ministry. But I want you to find the person in this building 
that you feel like is more qualified than you at it. What am I saying? If, 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 you, feel like, if you feel like that God is trying to call you to be a, a prayer warrior, an intercessor, and you feel like that somebody else is a better prayer warrior, intercessor than you are in the building, I want you to go grab them. In the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. If, if you feel like God is calling you to be a Bible study teacher, find you a Bible study teacher right now. In the name of Jesus. I, let me tell you what I felt before service. I felt, I felt in the spirit like there was, a, there was a transfer of anointing to the extent that I brought Brother Wade Wallace into the office. He, he was a man that used to pray with Sister Agnes Holmes day after day after day. And I told him at 7 o'clock, I said, when they end this prayer service at 7.07, you're going to the office with me and we're going to have a prayer meeting, but I'm not praying for you. You're praying for me. And, and, and he looked so confused. I got in the office. I said, you know how Sister A.L. Holmes used to pray. Now I want you to pray for me like she used to pray for you. What? And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost fell. I feel like there's a transfer of anointing in this place right now. There's an increase of faith. You get a hold of somebody. And Come on, get a hold of them. Get a hold of them. Get a hold of them. And say, I'm going to get what you have. If it's a boldness I need, I'm going to get what you have. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Come on.